0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for the Connection Young Adult Ministry, part of Church on the Rock in Texarkana. Join us each week as we gather together to deepen our faith, connect with others, and grow in our knowledge of scripture and relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether you're just
1: starting your faith journey or you've been a Christian for years, this podcast is for you. Let's dive into this week's sermon. For Sarah, one more time. She's going to come up. And uh, just share a little bit about what God has been doing in her life. So y'all give her your undivided attention.
0: Hello. Um, I'm going to pray first, if that's all right. Okay, dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day. I thank you for these people that are here in this room. Um, I thank you for connection and the friendships we're able to make here. And I just pray that everything we say and do would glorify you. Um I pray that this testimony would glorify you and it would show your power um, and let people know that uh, if they relate or anything, that they're not alone and that you're with them. And please help me to say the right words. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So let's just get into it. Um, My testimony. So I grew up kind of, well, in a Christian home. So my parents went to church. We were there, like, every Sunday, every Wednesday, VBS, all the things. Um, Wasn't excited about it. Um, And then my – so I also grew up um, being homeschooled. And, um, like, in a very strong, like, Christian homeschool program, like, every single day was, like, an hour of Bible class – and that was fun. So from a very young age, like, I knew um, that God was real. I believed he was real. I couldn't deny that he existed. Um, but that didn't mean I was following the Lord. So um, my parents, we didn't really have, like, spiritual conversations a whole lot. Like, sometimes we talk about church a little bit um, or talk about the Bible, like, a tiny bit. But there was not, like, an openness and, like, honesty in our conversation. Like, they didn't really tell me their testimony And so I wasn't, like, comfortable, like, asking them a whole lot of questions besides random stuff about Scripture. Um, And so there was just kind of, like, this awkwardness between me and my parents with that. Even though we were in church and, like, I wasn't a Christian homeschool program that they put me through, there wasn't, like, that, um, I don't know, that level of communication. Um, So it just felt awkward. Um, But I remember from being, like, seven or eight, um, sitting in one of those like video, homeschool Bible lessons. It was like a um, private school. They like filmed like for an entire year. And so you'd sit there and watch it. It's really fun. Um, <laughs> it's really fun when you're like singing in the songs, like the whole class is singing, but it's really just you and your DVD player and your mom watching you, <laughs> it's so much fun. So during one of those lessons, cause that was every single day, Um, I remember the Holy Spirit convicting me, and, like, my heart was pounding, and I was like, dang, I'm a sinner, and, like, I deserve hell, and I have sinned against a holy, amazing, crazy amazing God. But instead of, like, responding to that, I was like, I know I need to respond, but the Christians I knew in my life were, like, iffy. I mean, they were, I guess I thought that Christians didn't have fun, or Um, really, it was, I didn't want to surrender to the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to surrender my life to the Lord. I didn't want him to be the Lord of my life. I wanted to be in control of my own life, what I did for a living, what my job was going to be, who I was going to marry. I don't know why I was thinking about this at seven or eight, but I was. I mean, because I don't plan for anything, but I was planning, and I didn't want God to be the Lord of my life. I didn't want him to control me. I was like, I'm going to be, if he, you know, If I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to be all in, and I'm going to be some crazy missionary, and I do not want to do that. I don't want to eat refried beans the rest of my life. Like, (laughs) this is not for me. Um, And so I was like, I'm going to do my own thing, God. And so that continued for, like, years and years, and there was this awkwardness between my parents. Like, I didn't want to talk to them. And then as I got older and, like, my sister was, like, baptized, um, then there was, like, pressure on me because she was younger, like. You know, when are you going to, like, have a confession of faith? When are you going to get baptized and join our church? And so my mom would, like, come to me and be like, you need to, it's time to get saved. Like, let's do that. Like, I don't want to be in heaven without you. That'd make me really sad. And I'm like, I don't think that's how heaven works, but, like, okay. Um, But it would just put a lot of pressure on me. And anything someone told me to do, I was like, I'm going to do the opposite of that. Um, And so it even... Like, my parents were talking to our pastor about it, and he, he would come to me, and I was like, I hate you. Stay away from me. Like, I don't want Jesus. I, like, I believe in God, but I do not want him to be in control of my life. I didn't want to surrender. And so that kept going for a long time. I would have, I mean, I would pray um, a lot, like, every night praying to God to save me, but I wouldn't surrender. Um, and so I was not saved. I knew where my eternity was going to be spent. But God, so eventually, when I was, like, 14, a couple days till I turned 15, then the Lord brought two people. Um, There was, like, this brother and sister. Um, They were also homeschooled weirdos like me. And (laughs) they, like, came into my life, and they weren't even trying to have a conversation about God with me. Like, we were just having a conversation about, um, like, what we wanted to do when we grew up and what what we wanted to do with our lives, and um, Zoe, my friend, she just said, she's like, I don't care what I do with my life, because I just want to be in heaven with Jesus, and I was like, that's weird, um, but like, in that moment, then like, her brother started talking about it, too, like, you know, just imagining random things, like, what heaven would be like, he's like, I bet there's colors that, that we don't even know about up there, and he, I was just like, okay, but in that moment, like, even though they weren't meaning to have a meaningful conversation at all, I could, like, visibly see the peace that they had in their lives. And I was like, oh, I don't have that. Um, And, like, I realized that I was, I had known forever that, like, I was going to go to hell. And that was just how it was going to be. But I hadn't realized that um, not only would I miss out on heaven, but I'd be missing out on, like, heaven on earth. And, like, the peace God gives on earth, and the joy He gives us, and like an abundant life here on earth. And so, after a few days of reeling all that, realizing all of that, I just got up one morning, and I was like, "It's time. Like, I'm gonna surrender." And so, I just prayed. I don't remember what I said, but God became the Lord of my life, um, and I was just like, "You know what, God? Whatever you want to do with my life, I don't care. You're gonna do something better, but I can't live like this anymore." And so, like instantly, I had so much peace. It was like a physical weight. I could feel, like, being lifted off my shoulders. And I was, like, so joyful. I, like, couldn't stop smiling for days. Like, people didn't know what was going on with me, but I was just, like, cheesing. (laughs) Um, And then um, within a couple weeks, I went to, like, a church camp. And then my parents found out that I had gotten saved and so got baptized, all that. Um, And then, um, and then... Conversations with my parents did start opening up just a little bit after that. Um, so I jumped into, like, reading the Bible and got really um, involved at church and youth group. Um, and then my family ended up moving churches, too, which I kind of talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, so that was really cool to get to I don't, go to a bigger church that had more serving opportunities and a lot more adults to, like, kind of invest in me. Um, and I went to, like, some discipleship weekends and stuff like that that really helped me a whole lot. Um, and then after high school, well, all during high school, you know, I had been like, well, before high school, I was like, I know what I'm doing with my life. I'm going to do whatever I want. And God doesn't have anything to say about that. And then after I got saved, I was like, well, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. I just don't know what that is. And so I'll pray and cry about it pray about it, and cry about it some more, and, like, up to the point of, like, graduation, I, like, pretty much had no idea what I was doing. I was just, like, I want to help people. I don't know what capacity that's in. Like, I knew all the things I didn't want to do, and jobs and stuff that sounded awful, but I didn't know what I wanted to do um, besides help people, and um, through a series of miraculous events, then God placed me being a homeschool teacher, like, privately two days a week, um, with a random lady that I had taught her kids dance, like my face just like popped into her mind one day when she was praying about who was supposed to be helping her with her kids. And she called me and she's like, hey, you want this job? And I was like, I don't really know you, but yes, and this is God. And then um, through that, I also got a job at a Mother's Day Out where I was able to like kind of be discipled and um, disciple little kids and see amazing things there. And then I also taught dance. So it was like going great and I was seeking the Lord and I was just like in awe of all the miracles he'd done in my life and how, you know, I had really prayed and cried a lot, but he had answered like every single one of those prayers in like bigger, more abundant ways than I could have ever asked for or imagined. So everything was going really good until COVID. I think that's kind of true for everybody. But um, so I more or less temporarily lost all of my jobs. Um, and then what friends I had, started to lose those two because I was really shy, and um, they didn't try very hard to, like, see me or stay in contact with me. We just kind of were growing up and, like, moving different ways, but I got really hurt about it. And then I also got really mad that churches weren't meeting in person. I was like, this stinks. Like, I want to be at church. Like, I want to be serving, and I know that I'm going to get discouraged. I know other people are going to get discouraged, and the enemy is going to start winning, if we're not meeting together, Um, and so eventually, I let that frustration kind of get the better of me, and I guess I kind of became bitter a little bit, Um, and I was just really lonely, and just kind of like, what am I doing with my life, Um, so I stopped seeking the Lord as diligently as I was previously. Um, God even gave me like very specific things to pray about, like, and it (laughs) was I was like, that's weird God. He was like, you need to be praying about your future husband, and you need to be praying about this and that. And I was like, that's cringy. I'm not doing that. And so I didn't. But, like, in that, my faith started to decline. And then I didn't care about what God wanted for my life and what he wanted for my job. I didn't hold out to see um, what miracle he would worked. Even though he had before, I was just like, whatever, I have to make things happen. Um, And I've got to seek out the life that I want. So I started taking matters into my own hands. And I decided, like, very sporadically, I'm like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to sign up. And, like, that was the most stressful, like, two weeks of my life, like, signing up for college. My mom was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I'm going to sign up because I want to make money and live my own life and do my own thing. And so she's like, okay. And um, in that, I also started – Dating this guy long distance, we had, like, mutual friends. My cousins were his neighbor's friends, whatever. And so when I visited them, I met him and his family um, and was like, this is great. Like, I'm starting college, and now I have a boyfriend. Like, this is so much fun. And so we were dating long distance, and he would drive back and forth from Tennessee um, to see me. And I was like, this is very stressful. Like, but I didn't realize I was stressed. Um, I didn't realize that something was wrong. Like, I always felt like something was wrong, but I'm like, well, like, you know, I've never been in a relationship before, and he says this is fine, so, like, it's probably fine. Like, I'm probably just really young and really homeschooled and just really awkward, (laughs) and it, it doesn't matter. Like, I can do what I want. I'm an adult. Um, and so I let him, like, push past boundaries, like, physical boundaries and spiritual, emotional, um, all the things And then I had people, like, coming to me being like, hey, this is maybe not the best. And some of them came to me, like, in a really judgy way. And I was like, "Mm, no, no, thank you. Um, And then uh, eventually I did have people come to me in humility and just kind of share their own, like, experiences and stuff. But I started, um, well, let's see. I started having, like, anxiety attacks or panic. I don't know. I like, couldn't breathe. I was crying, out of control. And I was like, I know something's wrong, but I don't know what it is. Like I was trying to seek the Lord, but like, also I was like, mm, I'm just going to read the Bible verses I want to hear. And I'd also like, kind of gone down the wrong path of like theology and um, started doubting my salvation and um, just really not feeling like worthy um, of God's love. And so all of this was just a big problem and uh the guy I was dating was also like chronically depressed but he wouldn't seek any help for it he wouldn't he didn't believe that God could heal him he just kind of believes he could fix himself um and so since i was being disobedient to god um unknowingly then that spirit of depression like latched on at me so i started getting depressed and was just like i don't want to exist anymore i don't want to live this is terrible um but I was holding on to this relationship because it was, you know, exciting or fun or whatever. Um, and we eventually even got engaged. And then after that, it was just, it was bad. Um, everything that I thought being engaged would fix um, got worse. And then I was like, well, everything that's a problem when you're engaged just gets fixed when you get married, right? So we were just like rushing into wedding plans and all that garbage. And I was like a bridezilla and really hateful to everybody. Um, but I kept feeling like something was wrong and eventually, um, those people I said, my cousin, cousin cousin-in-law, they came to me and they're like, separately, they're like, hey, we're not saying your relationship's bad, we really don't know this guy and we haven't been around you that much, but your personality has changed and we're just going to share from our heart, like, things that, um, we've kind of learned and things that we've gone through and regrets we have in our previous relationships that, you know, if you relate to it cool. If you don't, cool. Um, And so the Lord really used that to, like, immediately open my eyes to the situation I was in. Um, It was like I couldn't see our relationship the same way. It wasn't clouded anymore. It was very clear. Um, So I just started praying, and I was like, Holy Spirit, like, you've got to do a work. You've got to help me out of this, like, whether this is, like, postpone the wedding forever or for a while, and then, like, get these problems worked out in premarital counseling or, like, break up whatever. I was like, if we're breaking up, he's going to have to break up with me because he was very controlling and um, he could talk me into whatever. So I was like, he's going to be able to talk me out breaking up with him. And um, within a week of like praying for this and just seeking God and just letting, I let him know like, hey, I have a lot of reservations and red flags and here's what some of them are. Um, Then he broke up with me. And I was sitting there and I was like, man, I should really not smile right now. But like I had so much peace. It was almost like the, the moment when I got saved, like this weight was like lifted off my shoulders. And I was like, okay, that was God. Um, and so, I mean, like the breakup was sad, but it wasn't really sad that I was losing him. I was more sad that I'd lost all that time than I could have been seeking God more fervently. And I was um, just kind of ashamed of what I did. Um, but immediately also, like, all the depression, like, left. I was sad, but I was no longer depressed, and I was no longer, like, dealing with, like, suicidal thoughts and wanting to just not be around. I was like, you know, if God is still speaking to me, he's still teaching me things, he still has a purpose for my life. Um, And so then after that, I just kind of prayed a lot that God would heal me, and he totally did that. Okay, so, and then kind of um, fast forward a little bit. He put me back in the Mother's Day Out job, like, miraculously. And then we had a new new um, boss, and she was, like, exactly what I needed. Like, God used her um, to encourage me and constantly, like, speak life and scriptures over me. She Like, we would come into work every day, and she would lay hands on us and pray over us. And, like, we were just taking care of, like, three-year-olds. Like, most people don't think that's very important, but she did. And um, God just used that, and he restored my job um, doing the homeschooling and dance and everything, too. Um, And then in that time, he also uh, brought me to connection, where um, just like in the worship and stuff, God has given me so much freedom. um, Because for a while, like, with the whole relationship situation and my church, I just felt very alone and sad. But being surrounded by all of y'all, helped me so much, even if I didn't talk to you guys until now, because I was shy. Um, But I don't know, God just brought me so much healing and like way more healing than I ever thought I would have and like way faster than I ever thought I would get it. Um, And I don't know, and then just seeking the Lord, I prayed for him to continue to like give me more opportunities in his timing. And then even um, in June. Uh, he called me to children's ministry at First Baptist Church DCAB, like full-time ministry, which I never, never dreamed I'd be able to do because I was like, you know, that's that's awesome. That's an awesome dream, but I don't think I'm going to pursue that. Like, um, But the Lord dropped it into my lap, and he's given me lots of opportunities to share the gospel and help people like I always wanted to do. And I don't really know how to wrap this up, but that's kind of the end. <laughs> Um, but, but I wanted to say anything that you go through, we go through, um, whether it's things that happen to you or things God puts you through or even like hard things that are just the consequences, consequences for your own like stupid, sinful actions. Like any of those things that like press in on you, um, and, you know, cause you hurt and pain, they're all things that God can still use to glorify himself and for your good and for his glory. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what the verse for, the for that is, but I don't know. I was going to share, but I ran out of time. But thank you, and that's it.
1: Thank you so much, Sarah. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've been through, whether you grew up in church, whether you grew up away from church, God is powerful and he loves us. And even though it may be kind of a roundabout journey, if we're seeking his will for our lives, we're always going to end up right where we want to be. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, for those of you who were here last week, uh, actually before that... (sighs) Have you guys heard about this? Um, so the craziest thing. So this like country singer, um, and t- stop me if you if you if you know what I'm talking about. This like country singer, all of a sudden she's not super well known. Um, started dating this football player, uh, Travis Kelsey, he, he, he's two-time Super Bowl winning champion, one of the best players in the world, and then all of a sudden this random country music singer and they start like dating and now her career is like blowing up. Like her name is everywhere. People are talking about her. People like never even knew who she was prior to this. You guys, what's her, uh, uh, her name, um, Tyler or something. Um, (laughs) anyways, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Taylor Sift is gonna, gonna be fine. Um, I mean she sells, she sold out a couple a couple of stadiums but Travis sells them out every single week so I mean you know it's you know. anyways uh if you guys were here last I guess not last week but last worship night um I my sermon was all about the power of our of our testimony specifically what testimonies can do in our lives I shared three things three big points last last time and uh we're going to kind of wrap it up close that thing up with the the second three things. So just a real quick um, review, and uh, we'll have them up here on the screen. Uh, Number one, three things that testimony does from last time. Uh, One, testimonies reveal how God works. When we hear what God has done in our lives in the past, uh, it kind of shows us what he does and what he's capable of and how he works in the future. For instance, if you've heard that The Bible says that God heals people. We know that that's how God works, and he can heal us today, right? So testimonies reveal how God works. The second thing is that testimonies create expectation in our hearts for God to work miracles in our lives. Um, When we hear something that God did for someone, uh, when, when we hear what God did for someone else, and we're in a similar situation it can give us hope to look forward to see what god is going to do in the future right if you um maybe you are addicted to something alcohol drugs pornography whatever it may be you 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 have this addiction you cannot break it and all of a sudden you hear someone share their testimony about how they used to be and then all of a sudden god stepped in broke those chains broke those addictions and now they're free, it kind of creates a hope and expectation in our hearts to know that God can do that for us, right? Number three, uh, through testimonies, God's power is released into the lives of those who hear it. Uh, Revelation says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb. We know there's power in the blood, right? And the word of their testimonies. There's something about our testimonies that allows God's power to be released into the lives of people who hear it that give them the ability to overcome the enemy. Whatever that looks like, whether it's um, their personal salvation, whether it's a, a struggle, an addiction, something like that, whether it's, it's a, a healing or a, some sort of miracle that they need in their lives, there's something, some sort of divine power that is released through our testimonies. And I don't want to be the reason that's, that God's power is not released in someone else's life. I don't wanna be the thing that's holding back God from moving because I was too lazy or I was too embarrassed or I thought I wasn't important enough to share my testimony, right? There's power. So those were the, the first three things. Testimonies real, how God works. Testimonies create expectation in our hearts and God's power is released through our testimonies. So here are three more things. We're gonna do four, five, and six. Four things that a testimony can do in our lives. Number four, Testimonies are what connects succeeding generations of believers to God's promises and power. Let me say that again. Testimonies are what connects succeeding generations of believers to God's promises and power. Testimonies are how we connect our children and our grandchildren to God. Now, I know not many of us in this room are parents, But I'm sure a lot of us will be one day. Your job, the moment you have a child, that is your very first disciple. More so than anybody outside of your life, whether it's you're in ministry, whether you're just working out in the world, no matter what your job is, the moment you have children, you are now a rabbi. You now have disciples. It is your job to raise that child up in the things of God. It is not the church's job. It is your job. You are the teacher. You are the one who is going to disciple them and raise them up in, uh, in the ways of God. Or you should, right? Um, and and, and here's, here's where I'm getting this from. Um, Deuteronomy. Let's let's start here. Deuteronomy chapter six. Open up your Bibles if you've got them. We're going to read a lot here. Um, Deuteronomy chapter six. So um, you know Moses has brought the Israelites through the wilderness. They're headed into the Promised Land, and God's already given the Levitical law. Right? We already had um, Leviticus with all the laws, and so Deuteronomy is basically a big long speech. Moses gets up in front of the people because remember. All the people that doubted back in Numbers, they've all died. All the people who got the original law, that generation has died and moved on. So now this is a brand new generation who may not have known the laws because they weren't originally the ones that received them. And so Moses is giving this big speech explaining what God expects for the nation of Israel. And we're going to start in verse 4. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And on your gates. This is what God is commanding. God is literally commanding the people of Israel all the things that I have done, you are commanded to, part, to deliver that to your children. He talks about um, put, bind them as a sign on your hand or on the doorposts of your house. Now, I know we all have a grandma or an aunt. That has like, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord up on their walls, right? And we kind of make fun of it. We, how many, honestly, how many of us? Have, yeah, that's what I thought. We all got somebody that has that posted. And we kind of make fun of it. But that's a command. God is giving the command. Literally, he's like, write the things that I have done on the doorposts of your home. Make them visible in every way, in every shape, in every form. Because Uh, Well, we'll find out because he's a, uh, we'll skip ahead. So that was verse nine. We're here down in 17. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord, your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he commanded you. Skip ahead to verse 20. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. Verse 23. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good for our good. Always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day, and it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So, this is a big chunk of scripture, um, but we're going it, to break it down. Moses is literally commanding the people via God with the, the authority of God to um, t- pass along these stories of what God has done, not just to people around you, but to our children, right? They're to be fixtures in our homes, both literally and figuratively. God is saying, we need to make God real to our children because God is real to us. When my son grows up someday and he asks me, dad, why do you believe in God? I'm going to say, because And I'm gonna share the stories of all the things that God has done, starting from back before I was even born, the testimonies of God that have been passed down to me. I talked to you guys uh, last time about my grandfather, how he was dead and miraculously raised back to life again, how he prayed for my grandmother to be healed of polio. She could not walk, came into the church on, on crutches, walked out of the church on her own might because God healed her in that moment. I was not there for that. But that story, that testimony of what God did has been passed down to me and that builds up my faith. I see what God, this is not a fairy tale. This is not something that somebody made up. This is a a, a true firsthand eyewitness account of what happened that was passed down to me through my family and that builds up my faith. Even from a young child, I believed in the healing power of God because my family had told me the stories of what God had done. You see what I'm saying here? This is what God is commanding of us. We are to to tell the testimonies of what God has done to our children so that they can know that God is real. Obviously, we have to make out that make that decision for ourselves, right? We have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But it is my job as a father to do everything that I can to make sure that Fisher knows who God is because who God has been to me, right? When, um, whenever he asks... Um, why do you believe in Oh, I said that already. But yeah, whenever he asks someday, why, if he ever, hopefully we never get to that point. Hopefully that I've raised him up properly and his belief in God is on its own merit and he never has to question um, that whether it's not his faith or my faith. But when he asks, why do you believe this stuff? I'm going to have 40, 50 years plus some from the stories passed down through generations of all the things that we have seen God do and that's, that's not just an old book. That's not just a, a, a philosophy. That's not just dogma. These are actual, real, true stories of the things that God has done. And, man, I, I cannot tell you how excited I am to, like, raise this little boy and teach him about God. Like, like I, love, I love being up here and, like, teaching you guys and, and, and preaching to you. I love that. But, like, once, once that boy, like, speaks English, y'all, I'm so pumped. We are going to go deep diving. Like, he is going to know the Bible inside and out because I am so excited to, to give him the gift that God has given me. Right? This is, we, we talked about last time how the, the, the testimonies of God are our inheritance, The stories of what God has done have been given to us by a good father who loves us to show what lies in store for all of us. Why wouldn't I wanna give that to my son? Why wouldn't I wanna pass that down to him? Why wouldn't I wanna share about the goodness of God to this little boy and see that like, have you ever ever taught someone something? I know it's not all of us do this, but there are some teachers in the house and people that work with children. But if you ever like, been working with someone on something and then they get it and it like and you can like almost see like that switch kind of flips in their minds and their eyes light up I cannot wait to see that with Fisher when he hears about all the good things that God has done not just through my life but also through the scriptures like I cannot wait to share the truth of who Jesus is to that little boy every night before bed um we we read a little chapter in his, you know, little storybook Bible. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't understand. Um, but we're, we're getting him in the habit. We're starting the habit now so that even at two years old, he, he is getting ready to every night before bed. I, I pray and I believe that this is going to be a lifelong pursuit for him, a lifelong discipline that every night before bed, if not first thing when he wakes up in the morning, he's going to spend time in the word of God, we're, we're almost through osmosis. We're like prophetically speaking these truths about who God is over him. Even though his mind may not fully comprehend it, his spirit, we believe, is soaking it all in. This is something that I look forward to. First of all, just as a father, as a pastor, as someone who wants to disciple, but even more so than, than, a, than an inward desire, this is a command from the most high. We are called to pass along the stories of what God has done to the next generation. We, we hear all the time about how, you know, this percentage of, of boomers um, believed in God and then millennials, this percentage of millennials, and then this percentage of Gen X or Gen Z and on, and on down, and it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. You know whose, prob- whose fault that is? The generation prior. It's the parent's job, not the church's job. It is the parent's job to pass on the goodness of God. If your child does not believe in Christ, it is your fault. And I don't mean that in a hateful way. I don't mean that in an angry way. I just simply, the the facts are God commands us to pass on the knowledge of what he has done and the testimonies and the truth. Let's look at Psalms chapter 78. Starting in verse 5, Psalm 78, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. If our kids forget, that's on us. If the next generation, and I know you you guys are young, you have your whole lives ahead of you, and you're not, not all of us are really thinking about the next generation, but we need to start. All of you have influence in some way, whether it's younger brothers or sisters, whether it's your future children, if you serve at all in any sort of capacity where you're over children, even people that your nieces, your nephews, we all have some sort of influence over the next generation. And and maybe you've never been parented. Maybe no one has ever taken you under their wing and spiritually guided you. I've never had a spiritual father. My, my dad has been a great dad. He has, he has instilled a desire to seek God in me from a young age, but it's, it was never really a discipling thing. It was more like you're going to church whether you like it or not, you know what I mean? Which I am thankful for. I am so thankful for. Please don't mishear me. I am so glad that my dad made me go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday because he created in me a, an appreciation and a desire and a reverence for the house of God. But truly from like a mentorship, when I left my dad's house at 18 years old, 19 years old, no one ever really kind of took me under their wing, okay? I've never had what many would call a spiritual father. There there was no Paul to my Timothy. And for many, many years, I was pouty about it. I was upset. I was pouty. And I kind of threw a little mini temper tantrums. And I would get so mad at God that nobody took the time to pour into me. And you know what God told me? When I was 23 and a youth pastor, he said, Michael, you're an adult now. You don't need a father, you need a son. He slapped me upside the head and said, if if you have not been poured into, the time to complain is over. Start pouring into other people. You have a God who loves you, a heavenly father who cherishes you. You have a Holy Spirit that speaks to you and reveals the truth. And not to say that everyone in this room knows everything. Obviously, we need to seek wisdom. We need to seek counsel and mentorship. But there comes a time in your life when you got to stop being a kid and start being an adult and take on that role for other people. Because you don't want the people, around, the people behind you to have to experience the same thing you did, right? If you were fatherless, spiritually speaking, you don't want the next generation to also be fatherless. I hear that in the physical realm. Some of the best dads I know never had a dad. Because they were so sick of not having a dad, they decided that when I become a dad, I'm going to be the best dang dad that there is. And that's how we have to be spiritually. Even if you've never had anybody pouring into you, stop complaining and do it yourself. Start raising up the next generation because it matters. It matters. When you are old... The generation behind you is going to be the one taking care of you. And I know I want the person taking care of me to be healthy and mature and wise and full of the Spirit. And I don't just mean physically taking care of me, but I mean spiritually taking care of me. One day you'll be old. I know you feel young. You're going to be young forever. You feel invincible. But I promise you, I was 23 yesterday. Literally, I, I, I remember 20, I can smell 23, like it, literally like it was yesterday. And I, that was 12, 11 years ago. In a blink of an eye, it's gone. You're gonna get older and there's gonna be somebody younger and better looking and more talented and funnier and smarter than you coming up behind. And we, walk, we have to make sure that we are pouring into those people. We cannot allow this generation to forget what God has done. Lifeway Research, <clears throat> they just released a, uh, a study just this week. Maybe you read it, you probably didn't. But, um, you know, we hear a lot from the pulpit that, like, what happens is good Christian kids, they grow up in church, they go to youth group, and then they go off to college, and they just get indoctrinated into, you know, atheism. And this study shows that that is a patent lie. Those kids have been indoctrinated long before they ever head to college. College just reveals the absence of faith. This study shows that it's about 13. 13 years old is when people start making their decisions about whether or not they're going to follow God, and those are solidified by as young as 16. So before they ever even graduate high school, the decision on whether or not they're serious about God has already been made College is just a way for them to live out their faith or lack thereof, right? So what does that mean? It means it is more critical than ever from as young of an age as we possibly can that we need to be pouring into these children. Get involved in your church's children's department because one, you know they need the volunteers, but two, those kids need Jesus. They need to feel the love of a father or a mother or a big brother or a big sister, and they need someone who's going to care about them and teach them about who God is. The church is supposed to be supplemental in our faith journey. If the only time kids hear about Jesus is at church, nine times out of 10, they are not going to continue to believe in God. It's just the fact that there's actually they've done studies and there's three indicators of staying strong in in faith in Christ through your teenage years. One is that Jesus and the Bible are constantly talked about, or at least regularly talked about, in the home. In the home. Okay? That's the number one indicator. If you are taught about Christ at home, you are that much more likely to hold on to your faith. Number two and this is for you gentlemen out there a father being present in the home if you have a if a father is present in the life of their children they are like 90% more likely to Hold on to their faith. Not to say that people without fathers can't, because I'm, I'm just looking around the room. I see a handful of faces that I know their daddy was nowhere around, and they are living for Christ as as good as anybody. So not to say that you can't do it, but the odds are against you, without a father. So all you men out there, if you have a ch- have a kid, you better be around. Like if not, I'm gonna hunt you down personally. <laughs> no, but. So first, if, if, if Christ is being talked about in the home, if a father is present in their lives, and third, and the least most important, far least, is that the church is involved in your spiritual growth. All you need to do to make sure that your kids follow Christ, talk to them about Jesus, dads, make sure you're around, and make sure they're in church. And those three simple things almost guarantee a child to maintain their faith through their teen years, through college, and for the rest of their lives. You know, uh, the Bible says, raise a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. There is so much truth to that. I was raised in a home. where My dad was around. We were taught about the Bible, and we went to church all the time, And then there was a time when I got a little bit older and I started getting a little bit more freedom. I drifted away. I made bad decisions. I stopped going to church all the time. I started dating the wrong girls. But guess what? I'm old now. And I have not departed from it. Just because our kids may drift away for a little while doesn't mean that we failed as parents. It means the Bible promises, do it while they're young and when they get older, when it's all said and done, they will not depart. And so I cannot stress this enough. Testimonies of what God has done in our lives and in generations past are what connects the succeeding generations to the power and the promises of God. When we share the testimonies of what God has done in our lives to our children and our children's children, it produces the fruit of faithfulness. Amen? Amen. Sorry, that was, that was a little soapboxy. I apologize for that one, but I'm, I'm passionate about my son. Um, so here we go. So that was number four. Number five. Uh, okay, so, so we're, here's the thing. We cannot let the next generations forget about what God has done, right? Because bad stuff happens. Well, here's here what i are gonna talk about. What happens if they forget? What happens if they forget? Number five, when testimonies are forgotten, faith for the miraculous is diminished as well as obedience to God's commands. Every generation, when you read through, yeah, you leave that up for a minute. I know that's a lot to write down. If you're taking notes, we'll leave it up for a sec. Every time In the Old Testament, when Israel got away from the Lord, when they started sinning, it was because they forgot about all the things that God had done, right? There was a little while where where the law of God was gone. It It was missing. It had been stolen. It had been locked away. And Israel was just a mess. Their kings were evil. The people were evil because nobody had passed on those testimonies, no one had passed on the truth of what God had said, his commandments and, and his, 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 um, his great deeds. They had forgot about it, right? And uh, let's, let's go back to Psalm 78, if you, had, if you kept that open. Uh, Psalm 78, starting in verse 9, says this. The Ephraimites, armed with the bow, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. Why? Verse 11 tells us. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. They were equipped for battle. They were ready. They were ready to fight. And then when they saw the enemy, they got scared because they forgot who their God was. They, they, they were they looked ready for battle on the outside, but on the inside, they were not prepared to take on the enemy because nobody had passed on the truth of who God is and the power of what he had done. Israel wiped out a whole like continent's worth of people all by themselves and God. Through God's power, Israel was able to to take the promised land and take out cities and nations that were far larger than theirs, battles that they should never have been able to win on their own. They did it through the power of God. So there should never have been an Israelite battle that they were afraid of the enemy because God was on their side. But if they didn't know it, if nobody told them, if they had forgotten the good things that God had done, they're not going to seed. Don't ever forget what God has done in your life. Think about the pit you were in when God found you. Any time that I am low on faith, any time that I'm going through a difficult time, without fail, God always brings me back to that skinny, scrawny 19-year-old kid where he was who he was sleeping with, what all he was running around doing. God re- brings me back to that pit that he dragged me out of and reminds me what, how he changed me and what he's created me to be today. That's God. If I forget that, I forget everything. My faith is worthless if I forget where God has brought me from. It's so easy to forget what God has done when it's not the forefront of our minds, right? Like, like um, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. We never know when the day of the battle is going to be. We don't know what day we're going to wake up and we're going to be in a battle. Whether it's a spiritual battle, whether it's a physical battle, someone at work or something going on in our families, we don't know when that day comes. And we may think we are ready to take on whatever comes our way, But if we forget what God has done in our lives, we will always be ill-equipped to take on that battle. When we don't carry the truth and the goodness of God with us and the remembrance of what he has done in our lives and in the lives of those that have come before us, we will never be ready. And this brings us to, to, to to number six. And I know five was short, but five and six go really well together. Number six, when testimonies are forgotten, we not only forget who God is, but we forget who we are. When we forget the pit that God dragged us out of, we can sometimes forget how far we've come. When the enemy tells me that I'm worthless, when the enemy tells me that I'm weak, when the enemy tells me that I've messed up too much or I'm too sinful or I'm too dirty or I'm not worthy and I don't remember where I used to be, I'm gonna think he's right. But when I remember who I used to be, and I remember the pit that God dragged me out of, I can show him, not because it's me, I haven't done anything, but I can point to that cross and I can remind him of what Jesus did and what Jesus has done in me, and I remember who I am. I remember that I have been set free. I can remember that I have been made clean. I can remember that I'm no longer addicted to pornography. I can remember that I'm not living the sin that I used to live. I am a new creation. But when we forget those things, we start to forget that. We forget who God is. When we we forget the good things and the might of God, and then we come up against new battles, all of a sudden we can see that army and forget that our God is stronger. When our family member gets a terminal diagnosis from the doctor, we can forget how good God is. When things don't go the way that we want, when we have financial issues, when we're, when, we, when we're abused, when we go through dark times and we only look at that and we forget what God has done in the past, we, our, our view of God starts to get twisted and perverted. And then all of a sudden, we're not just forgetting who God is, but we're serving a God that's not God. If we're serving a version of God that's not the real God, we're idolaters, We're now serving a God that that is a false God. When we forget who he is, when we forget his goodness, when we let our, our circumstances dictate our view of who God is, we forget who he is, and then all of a sudden, we don't even know who we are anymore. We forget that we've been bought with a price. We forget that we are children of the most high. It makes me think of um, Revelation chapter two, the church, the letter to the church at Ephesus. I know we've, uh, you've probably heard a thousand sermons on this. Jesus praises them for all of these things, all of their works. They take care of the poor. They give back. They live righteously. But he says, but I have one thing against you. You don't love me the way you used to. You don't love me the way you loved me when you first were redeemed. And Jesus says, if you don't get back to that, I'm going to remove my spirit from you. It's not just we live good lives and we do all the works, are good, works are important. Faith without works is dead. But works without faith is pointless. If we look good, but we've let our hearts grow cold to Jesus, we're in trouble. We have to always remember who God is and, and, and love him the way we did that, that morning that you said that prayer to accept Jesus into your heart. That day when, I I, I can remember that Sunday morning, January 9th, 2009, I remember it so clearly. I was so angry to be at church. I did not want to be. My dad dragged me to church. I didn't want to go. I hadn't been in probably a semester off at school. I'd come home for Christmas. I didn't want to be in church because I didn't want people all asking about college and what church are you going to and what's the college group like because I wasn't doing any of that. I didn't want to be there, but God had other plans. I, I can, I, I, it's so vivid in my mind. And when I think about it, I'm overwhelmed by the kindness and the love of God. And, and it's easy to forget about it. The longer I live, that was, I mean, 2009 was a long time ago. Some of y'all weren't even born in, actually, I don't know that. You're probably, you're probably all born in 2009, but, or at least alive by then. But you, you know what I'm saying? It was a long time ago. And the further it gets from there, the easier it is to, for me to forget that feeling. It's easy for me to forget the wretch that I used to be. And so the kindness of God, the goodness of God, kind of t- can tend to dull, right? I'm sure each one of us, God had got, there, there's a story that God did something in our lives that was, we were telling everybody about. Freaking out about how God did this thing, and it was all we could think about it for probably a week. You probably hadn't thought about that until I just said that since then, right? These big things that God did in our lives, we let those things kind of fade and dull, and we forget about them, and it's almost like they didn't happen. And our faith is worse because of it. We cannot forget the things that God has done, because when we forget the things that God has done, we forget who God is. I have a buddy, and this is the last thing I'll say. I have a buddy. Um, he's like he's in on all the fads. Like if if it's if it's popular in that moment, like he just has a gift for like. Five, he's like the first, he'll he'll bring something. I like, hey Michael, have you heard about blah blah blah? I'm like no, I hadn't heard anything about it. And then like for the next five days. On social media, that's, like, all I see. And all of a sudden, it's, like, the biggest thing in the world, right? Like, he knows, he just, he's so good at moving from fad to fad. And he's all about that thing in the moment. But then, in the blink of an eye, all of a sudden, we have never talked about that thing again. And he's on to the next thing. When was the last time you talked about Stranger Things? Think, Think about it. For those of you who watch Stranger Things, when was the last time you talked about it? (laughs) Brian said last week, but probably the last time this, like when this last season aired, it was, it was huge. Uh, Chrissy, wake up. You know, uh, that, that whole, like that was, that was everywhere. But when was the last time you heard it or thought about it? It's been a while, right? The world moves from fad to fad very quickly. And you want to know why? Because none of that stuff has any substance. They think it's this big, important thing, and we focus all of our attention on it, like T-Swift and Travis Kelsey. That's the thing right now. I guarantee in two weeks, nobody's going to be talking about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, probably because she's going to dump him. But that's different. Um, Oh, you're right. He'll probably break up with her because she kind of looks like a gerbil. But uh, (laughs) anyways, I'm getting off topic. We move from thing to thing because they don't matter. There's nothing there's nothing of substance there's nothing of realness about these things. Like Stranger Things is going to disappear just like every other TV show. Nobody watches the Brady Bunch anymore. Nobody watches Friends anymore. Like things come and things come and things go. As Christians, we can't be like the world. We can't let what God does in our lives be a fad. We can't let the miracles God performs in our life to be the flavor of the week. Where he does this, we're excited about it for a little bit, and then we move on and never think about it again. Write them down. Anytime God does something in your life of substance, anytime you see a miracle, anytime someone comes to know Christ, anytime you see a prayer answer, write those things down so that you never forget. I have, I have a stack of journals in my office, a stack of from years and years ago, from 2009 when I, I started journaling in 2009. I have, I have mountains of notebooks Of all these things that God has done, not because I I had this forethought, I was just so excited about God that I wanted to write these things down, and then I thought, oh, this might be valuable to have later. And now I have, I literally have like 14 years of what God has done in my life. What God was, I can look back to you know March 5th of 2012 and see what God was talking to me in that moment. And I can get excited about it all over again. And one of these days, I'm gonna pass those journals on down to my son. He's probably not gonna be able to read my handwriting because it's in cursive and they don't teach cursive anymore. But he's gonna have them. And he's gonna know that his daddy loved God and that God was real to his dad. And that's what we're called to do, y'all. Do not forget the things God has done. For your sake but also for the sake of those that come after you. How many of y'all want to be parents someday? (laughs) That's just almost everybody in the room. Someday, there's going to be a little mind, a little spirit, a little soul that needs to meet Jesus face to face, and you get to be the one that introduces them. At least I hope you'll be the one that introduces them. The church can't do it. Kid Zone here at Church on the Rock—they're awesome. I love everybody in Kid Zone. They kick butt. They are one of the best kids ministries I've ever I've ever witnessed. But they cannot do it on their own. Those kids are not going to come to faith in Jesus just because of how good Kid Zone is. Church is a supplement for what is going on in the home. It has to be. And I know you're young. I know it's. Kids are probably far off for a lot of us, but start those. I wish somebody would have told me this 13, 14, 15 years ago. I wish that I I would have had this this idea of of keeping the good good things that God has done and passing this on because I feel like I've I've, I've missed my opportunity. I'm a big brother. I've got younger brothers and sisters that I, I could have been... I could have been telling them all about the love of Jesus and telling them all about the miracles that Jesus has done, and I missed out because I wasn't thinking about it. Well, now you're thinking about it. One, you've got no excuse. I've already told you, so now the burden's on you. But two, you have the opportunity. Don't forget what God has done. Use every opportunity you have to tell everybody you know the amazing things that God has done. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, well, God hasn't really done a lot in my life. Well, that's okay. You've got a Bible. God did a lot of freaking awesome stuff in there. You can tell everybody about that. And if nothing else, you can tell them about a man who stepped out of heaven, who lived a completely sinless life, all for the purpose of giving his life so that you could live. If you have no other story to tell, you have the story of Jesus. You have the story of the cross. And that is the greatest story ever told. And if you have nothing else to share with somebody, you can share that. The truth of the gospel, the truth of the love, and the cross of Jesus Christ. And the freedom, and the hope, and the power that comes from it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. We are so grateful, Jesus, for your son. Oh, Jesus, you are the son. Father, we're for you, for what you did, Lord, on the cross. We are so grateful for your love, for your truth, for the fact that you've forgiven us of our sins, you have made us righteous in your sight. Lord, we could never repay you, and we are so grateful for that. And Lord, I pray tonight that every single person that can hear my voice, every single person, Lord, that we would begin to understand and, and, and truly understand the value of sharing our testimonies with people, telling people about you and the things that you have done. Lord God, I pray that um, as, as we go throughout our weeks, Lord, that you would open our eyes for opportunities to share the gospel, to share our testimonies, Lord, whether it be how we came to faith or um, something other, that, that awesome miracle that you've done in our lives, God, that you would give us opportunities to give us divine appointments so that we can have those conversations with people. And Lord, even into the next generation, I pray over every single person in this room, I pray over their future children right now, God, that they would he, they would hear the truth of who you are from their parents. God, that, that, that the stories of what you had done, would we would be faithful to pass those things down to the, the generation behind us and those on and on. Lord, God, I pray that each one of us, we're going to be 90 years old gray, wrinkly, can barely walk, but we're gonna be telling our great-grandchildren about the goodness of God and how Jesus died for their sins and the miracles that you've done in our life. Lord God, I pray that we would leave behind us a legacy of people who know who you are. Give us wisdom, give us grace, give us boldness, Lord God, to do these things that you've called us to do. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Michael and the Connection Leadership dive into the Word of God and explore how it applies to our daily lives. You can join us live every Thursday at 7 at Church on the Rock in Texarkana, Texas. Thanks for listening.